0: You are listening to the Star Coach Podcast with Meg Rentschler, Episode 25. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your Star Coaching Potential. Hello and welcome to the Star Coach Show. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler, Executive and Mentor Coach. I want to wish you all a happy spring. You know, I remember being a little girl growing up in Michigan and being so hopeful that we could go to church on Easter Sunday morning without having to wear a coat over my pretty Easter dress. And of course, depending upon how early Easter was that year and what the weather was doing, My dress was sometimes covered up by a warm coat. Now, living in Texas, I think I've only worn a coat a handful of time all winter long. It's amazing how our perspective and how the things that are important to us change depending upon our environment, our age, the different things we're exposed to, and the lens that we're looking through, how that impacts so much around us. Understanding one another's perspectives and the things that are important to them is one of the values that group and team coaching brings to organizations. In my work within organizations, I frequently see a tendency for different departments or areas to become siloed and so focused on their priorities, their piece of the pie, that they become distracted from the bigger picture. And maybe even forget that we're each contributing parts to the whole because our parts can feel so important and so much pressure around them. So helping to work towards the whole and increase communication, collaboration, and improved functioning across the organization is one of the advantages to doing group or team coaching within organizations. Our guest today is Dr. Ann Deaton. Ann is a leadership and team coach and group facilitator. She specializes in coaching individuals, groups, and teams, experiencing significant change and growth. So she facilitates awareness and team building sessions for corporate, government, and nonprofit clients. Ann's strengths are in creating the kinds of rich, open communication that expands perspectives and ideas. And then she's able to hold people accountable for taking those bold actions. Anne is a clinical psychologist who's been working as a coach for the past 15 years. She's on faculty at the University of Texas at Dallas in their executive coaching program. And Anne is co-author with Holly Williams of the book, Being Coached, Group and Team Coaching from the Inside. It's that coaching book, Being Coached, that is a main focus of the interview today and I think opens up many possibilities for group and team coaching. So let's go to our interview with Dr. Ann Deaton. I want to welcome Ann Deaton to the show today. Anne was one of my instructors through the UTD program. And I don't know if you remember, Ann, you were also my supervising coach. So you helped me walk through the final part of my program and helping me. I was working with somebody who was sort of a blend of coaching and therapy, and we were trying to get it to be really clear coaching. And I really appreciated your partnership through that. I had I'm always looking at new books and things about coaching and I ran into a book. Well, I think I might even have searched your name to see what maybe has Ann put out there. Anne has written a book about uh titled Being Coached, Group and Team Coaching from the Inside that I just loved. As a matter of fact, I emailed Ann and said, I love your book. <laughs> and so I uh, wanted Ann to come on and share with us about group and team coaching and organizations, and she was gracious enough to agree. So welcome, Anne.
1: Yeah, thanks, Meg. And of course, I remember our work together and you were a star. It was always a joy to work with you. And it was a joy
0: to work with you as well. So thank you for that. Your background is as a psychologist, and yet you're solidly in the world of coaching. Can you tell us a little bit about what led you into coaching with your psychology background?
1: Great question. Yeah, I worked as a clinical neuropsychologist for many years. And so, I mean, honestly, Meg, working with people at some of the worst times in their lives, after kids had an injury in an accident or after an adult had a stroke, and then just helping them create a new normal. And it happened that our hospital merged with another healthcare facility and they brought in coaches. And I just looked at coaching and I thought, this is fascinating because my work as a psychologist, I was always trying to help people get back to kind of baseline. And as a coach, it became really clear, you know, a merger is a merger, it's not easy. And yet it became really clear that there was an opportunity for it to be great, not just for people to cope, but for it to be a great merger better than either organization by itself. And so um was drawn to coaching and trained as a coach just honestly, Meg, thinking I'd be a better leader in healthcare. And then fast forward a couple years, moved into coaching full time. So I've been doing this for about 15 years now. You know, LinkedIn always reminds us how long. So yeah, LinkedIn is very good at reminding us of milestones, isn't it? (laughs) It is, it is, you know, and thinking about differences between the two, definitely kind of always working as a psychologist, get people back to baseline. And then one way I think about coaching is it's using that baseline really as a springboard for where do I want to go?
0: And upward and onward. Yeah, Yeah. excellent.
1: And the kinds of
0: coaching clients that you tend to work with, what draws you? What's your sweet spot?
1: You know, not organized, not industry specific, but all leaders and teams But that said, you know, I really define leader probably very broadly. I think each of us leads in some domain in our lives, but people come because they want to get better at being more effective leaders. And yeah, I think lots of work in healthcare, lots of work in high tech, but also, as you know, higher education. So Yeah, lots of different industries. I would say if I were thinking about what draws me to a particular client or what I love about my clients, it's their sense of purpose in the work they do, the impact they have, and really just wanting to be better human beings as well as better leaders.
0: So you wrote this book with Holly Williams about coaching in organizations, but primarily in group and team. I mean, that's coaching Uh from the inside. And Can you talk a little bit about the premise of the book? Because it's a really interesting perspective that you took
1: in the book. Yeah, great question. You know, I think, but when we wrote the book, which has just been a couple of years now, you know, there were about four books at that point about group coaching, and I thought they were all good. And, you know, so there was much more about group coaching coming out. And I thought, these are great. They suggest some frameworks some processes. But what coaches would always say to me is, oh my God, I hate group coaching. I don't know how to do it. Like it's uncomfortable. There's so much going on. And I thought, wow, it's really fun and valuable. And I wish other people felt that way. And so when Holly and I got together, it was like, Let's not write a book about group coaching because there are actually really good books out there about group coaching. Let's write a book that captures the experience and that way it'll be valuable to coaches and it'll also be valuable to leaders who also maybe have a little trepidation about it and to, you know, OD and HR professionals that are trying to figure out how am I going to develop my people? So, it really was from that vantage point of, we don't want to write something that's already been written, but we do want to share our passion for the impact this can have and and just make it accessible. So that was kind of where we were coming from.
0: So in the book, you actually write from the participant's viewpoint as well. And you told me something interesting in our pre-interview about what it was like for you To get into the heads of each of the participants that you were writing. And I don't know if you remember that.
1: I sure do. Yeah. It was funny because Holly and I kept having this conversation of when two authors write a book, you don't want it to sound like you're going back and forth. But in fact, each of us had characters that we were writing. And what was shocking to both of us was that as like Raj was one of the characters. And as I would write about Raj, I would be like, wow, I'm not writing about Raj anymore. It's like he's teaching me. He already has his own voice and I'm just listening for what's Raj's voice. What's uh, his experience and what's, yeah. yeah. And so they each really took on their own lives. I would say, you know, we developed the issues they were dealing with ahead of time based on kind of composites of leaders. But then each of the characters really became who they were. And and it wasn't like writing about them at all. It was really like channeling their voices. Yeah,
0: sort of writing their story for right through you. And it made the group experience so powerful for the reader being able to see the different dynamics. And one of the things that really struck me in the book was the structure that you built in. So while definitely the participants brought their issues and, and their focus and the actions that they were committed to doing, the group leader had a particular structure that helped them succeed. There was a framework of, you know, whether it was a mix of group and individual work, whether it was the resources that were available coming together with pairs. So I guess my question to you is, if I'm thinking of, you know, I'm a coach thinking about potentially doing some team coaching or some group coaching, what kinds of things do I need to be thinking about in how I set it up?
1: Yeah, really good question. I love the way you asked it too, Meg, because it's gonna be different for every single coach depending on setting and also depending on who they are as coaches. I would say the things that feel really important to me are that you do have a structure and the structure is gonna be different for everyone. So as you know, in this book, the structure is that each of the individuals gets three individual coaching sessions. They also get a peer coach, so they're coaching each other and then there are six group coaching sessions. And then interspersed are, we could call them homework assignments, but typically something they're practicing or perhaps asking for feedback from others or reading a book or a chapter. And so there really is some common focus and a common lens, but it's amazing how differently people can take a common lens and what they walk away with. So for some people, they'll read something and yeah that was okay and other people like oh, that's mind boggling that changes right. everything and of course sometimes somebody who said yeah that was okay shows up in group and someone else is saying that changed completely how i approach my team that person who thought ah eh, it was just alright for me starts to see it differently so it's part of the power of group coaching and i would say one difference you know certainly not much time um in the group is spent instructing so There might be a snippet about neuroscience or about leadership or about how to have a difficult conversation, but you're not teaching and and your intention isn't that everyone walk away with the same thing. Your intention is everyone walk away with their thing, with the thing that's going to make them better.
0: Yet at the same time, provide enough structure that it's not all without direction or that people who might be in overwhelm, and some of your people were definitely in overwhelm in your group, had enough structure to build on to be able to kind of find the place in the wall to hold on to and pull up to where they needed to pull up to.
1: Yeah. And one thing I always think about is what are the best practices? So for me, a best practice in group coaching and team coaching is always to have a check-in question, a way that people become present It can be a one-word check-in, you know, what's the space you're in today, Meg? And you say, excited. And somebody else says, exhausted. So it can be as short as that. And then also to always have a checkout, which often is kind of what resonated with you today? What are you taking away? What's next? And so having those as kind of the bookends for the session so that each voice is always heard and everyone knows they can count on that, right? And then something in the middle, some dialogue or question, and again, the ability for everybody to be heard, but sometimes it's going to be one person taking a lot of airtime and sometimes another and trusting that each person walks away with what they needed. And if they aren't, that they actually have this safe place where they can say, excuse me, you know, I had something to say here, and they're getting practice and being more assertive or more confident, or maybe in self managing better. So they're, they're actually practicing in the group setting what they want to achieve as a leader. Such good
0: stuff. And some specific examples in your book about people kind of the language they use to maybe push into that space of asking for their needs to be met was kind of fun to read as well. What value do you see group and team coaching bringing to an organization versus just the individual coaching? Mm.
1: A couple of things. One is that when you think about when we coach individuals, often a very powerful experience for that individual. And then they leave and they're trying to work with the same people they've been working with, but now they're different. And so sometimes they get a lot of resistance to the ways in which they're changing and maybe even feedback like I like the way you used to be. And so one of the great advantages is people are getting feedback in group coaching about how does that land with me? So people have a safe place to really try out some new behaviors and get feedback immediately. I think the other thing is it's just a support for each other. So they see each other in meetings, they can give each other immediate feedback. They aren't trying to do anything alone. They're really in this environment. It's I would say it's always safe, but it's certainly also challenging mm-hmm. because, you know, you can't just go see your coach and then go back to work and do what you've always done. You've got seven or eight other people who are giving you feedback and noticing you. So And so, knowing what you committed to and things like that. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So super challenging, but Also, I think you asked about the value to organizations. I think it has, you know, again, I do a lot of individual coaching and I think it's powerful. And sometimes really when you coach a team or a group, it's kind of that tipping point of that you have enough people acting differently, speaking differently. Interacting differently, giving different kinds of feedback that it changes the fabric of the organization. So it's not that you're coaching the majority of the organization. It's just that it's enough new voices, new ways of seeing things that things change for a lot of people in the organization.
0: So a bit of a ripple effect when you've got some key people that are, that are looking differently at things. The other thing that I find has occurred when I've done group and team coaching, and I heard a reference to this also in your book, is that it increases understanding. So if we're in our silo and we're focused on our important things, and it's easy to make assumptions about other departments and other people or their perspectives, and when you're working with somebody and you begin to hear about where their challenges are or what creates that space for them. I guess I have to let go of some of my assumptions and and actually better understand and that can create better across department and and across company cooperation and collaboration.
1: Yeah, and I think you used the word silos or at least I heard that yeah. word as you talked and I think absolutely right. I mean we see what we see and we see clearly what we see but we're kind of missing all this area off to the side and and so sometimes it's really just a matter of like People can come to group coaching and say, let's say the check-in question is, what's a success you had since we were together? And somebody will come and say, I just sold this great new product to this big company. We're off and running. And somebody else will look at them and say, did you think about telling me? Because my team is going to have to serve that client. And did you think about the impact it would have? And so that person immediate, and it's not for the sake of making them wrong. It's just for the sake of again, taking off the blinders and saying, hey, when you sell a big product and you know that others in the organization have key roles, how about communicating? How about we all are on the same team here working together? And then everybody actually is is usually very excited about that because, wow, isn't that great to have a partner in moving this work forward instead of realizing I've offended you and now I have to get you back on my team so that you'll help our customers.
0: Absolutely. When you have been doing group coaching, how does it maybe sometimes expand for you? Or maybe I should say, what impact does that have on potential other business within the company?
1: You know, when I think, Meg, about all the different ways that's played out, it's kind of amazing. So sometimes it has played out very much as it did in the book that you start with a group. So really, the goal of the organization is to help individual managers get some coaching, but they really can't afford or don't want to afford one-on-one coaching. And so, you know, six or eight individuals will be getting group coaching. And then Others will be hearing about it and saying, wait, wait, I want that. And in many cases, actually, the senior leadership team saying, wait, we want that. Look at what they're doing and how great the feedback is and how they're listening to each other. We want that in our leadership team. So you'll often just see others seeing the impact and saying, I want that. Other things you'll see are just maybe workshops. So there'll be a particular concept in the group that people will get excited about maybe it's neuroscience and and they'll say well you know not everybody's going to get group coaching but how about you just share a little bit about neuroscience what we know about human beings that would be valuable to our sales to everyone so they might say you know can you do just a half-day workshop on what do we know about the brain and how can that help us partner with our customers So things like that, that you're really excited about. And again, it helps the organization and you deepen relationships with the organization.
0: Really good. And when you, let's say, submit a proposal or respond to a potential need for a group coaching situation, how specific do you tend to get in, like how much you outline it for them when you send it in?
1: you know for me and here's a place i think holly and i approach it differently so i'd think for holly that really she has a group coaching program very much like the one depicted in the book and that's what she offers to clients. And as you can see, that could serve a wide array of clients. For me, it's more that I'm in those initial conversations and listening for what are the pain points for this particular client? What are the resources that would be useful to them? And then I am submitting not just the logistics of how often we'll meet, but also what our goals are together. And I always, if I can have one-on-one coaching, at least up front, so that it's an opportunity to get to know each member of the group in advance. And sometimes that's just not possible. So I think... That building that in is great and sometimes you really listen to the client and they say, we don't have a budget for that. And you still realize it could be really beneficial to do group coaching. So I think it again depends a lot on the client and on the coach, how comfortable you are with that. I'm very comfortable not running the same program each time because I know I'm going to learn from my clients just like they're learning from me and from each other. So, you know, having a signature program you always do similarly or really customizing it for every client, I think both those can work. And and maybe what's most important is that you're listening to the client and making sure the approach you're proposing will work for them in their setting.
0: Definitely. One of the things that popped up to me as you were talking was that whole concept of being sentenced to coaching, right? So when a company decides that we want eight of our senior managers to be in this group coaching program, and this is what we want, and we've got some goals that we want them to reach, how often do you bump into that sort of concept of, well, this wasn't my choice, I was sort of sentenced to coaching?
1: Yeah. Well, it's one reason it's great to have that one on one session first because then you can kind of share a little bit about what the company is seeing, and companies vary as far as how they roll it out, so sometimes they're saying that they're saying to people, "We chose you because you're high potential, we see you as our succession plan," but other times they're not saying much, and so that initial meeting can be a time that you can say, "You know, how do you see this coaching and and they'll say Well, you know, I guess I have to come because my boss says I have to. And you're like, actually, no, you know, like you should definitely come if you have a goal for yourself and what you want to grow, but it might not be the right timing for you. So let's talk that through. Let's talk about what you would want if you participated. And so, you know, 99% of the time, the resistance goes away because they get to choose. They get to choose their goals. They get to choose their approach. Um, And also, very quickly, they understand that confidentiality, that their bosses or their talent development team is not going to hear about their individual story. They're going to hear about how's the coaching going. They're going to see what you're changing behaviorally. But I'm not going to be reporting to anyone about what you're doing in coaching. And so I think often that's the resistance is just, can I really be vulnerable and work on myself? Or do I need to look like a good leader already? So can I be in that place of growing and already being good? And so, you know, I haven't found a lot of people turn it down. And when they do, it typically it seems to be because it's not the right timing. They've, mm-hmm. they've got a new kid at home or they have a new team and they really want to get their feet wet before they jump into something else that's new.
0: Well, and by giving them that choice, I'm sure you disarm them right off the bat by saying, you know, actually, no, you don't have to do this. So it immediately goes from sort of, I'm in the child state of being told that I have to do something to you giving them back the power and saying, this is really up to you. Let's discuss what it might look like. Mm -hmm. And getting out of that place of, well, I I have to do this because somebody's making me do it. Yeah, yeah really good approach.
1: I think teams are harder, Meg, because sometimes you have an intact team and then opting out often isn't an option, really. Mm -hmm. And so then it's, you know, again, still having the conversation, what do you want from this experience? And people identifying, you know, oh, there is something I could get out of it. You know, there are some things I'm dissatisfied with, and I can see how this would help with that.
0: Can you talk a little bit more about the dynamics of team coaching versus Mm. a divergent group that might come from different places, but this is an intact team and what some of the value might come from that as well as challenges. Maybe, let me just stack my question for you.
1: (laughs) Benefits and challenges. Yeah. You know, benefits, I think one benefit is they get to immediately see how it plays out in their day to day together. Right. So, let's say they get better at giving each other feedback, just being honest in their feedback instead of, you know, just actually staying silent and going off and doing their thing. So they might notice right away that they actually get better at that in the team. And so they are more efficient. And so I think benefits are very quickly apparent to them. I had a team recently that I've worked with them six times. This was our sixth time together and they just looked at me. We talked about takeaways at the end of our six session and, and they looked at me and they said, it is hard to believe it's only been six sessions because we, the level of trust we have and the ease that we communicate and how efficient it is. Like I'm not editing to make sure that I don't reveal vulnerabilities. Now I'm just trusting and sharing and it just cuts to the chase it creates such ease for us so that was wonderful to hear so so you hear those kind of stories you know you also because you're not probably letting people opt out truly that you'll get skeptics who stay skeptics a little bit longer mm-hmm. so you'll definitely get people that are like okay i'm going to come cuz i'm part of this team and i'm not going to act out in any obvious way cuz i'm professional but I don't really want to be here. There's a lot of better things I could spend my time doing. And so one of the things, Meg, I always, this will sound woo-woo, but I always think about, you know, loving our clients, loving who they are. And Mm so somebody who is still feeling skeptical about the process and, and the use of their time, and it's the third session, and they're turning over their cell phone, and it's a great chance to actually say, hey, I notice, Meg, that you're distracted by your cell phone. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And it's not for the sake of making them wrong. It's truly for the sake of understanding their world. Mm-hmm. And in the process, they really do feel known and they get to share, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I'm running on empty. And if I spend this hour and a half with you guys, that means that line on my at my door is getting longer. And so they actually start to get partners in dealing with those difficult problems. But again, we're making it safe by not making them wrong, not judging them, but also holding them accountable because that behavior obviously is impacting others on the team as well as that person. So giving them a chance to notice the behavior, to get curious about it, and really to decide. And in some cases, you know, that person's turning over the phone because it is an emergency and the group will say, look you know go for it like that sounds like a true emergency instead of not being present here and not being present there go for it i'll catch you up later so sometimes they realize in being more transparent more visible Wow, that's possible anytime. I don't actually have to keep that from the rest of the team.
0: I so appreciate that you gave us a glimpse into the additional value we might bring or just uh, something else that coaches might offer to clients to bring another texture, to bring another, another kind of value. Because in my opinion, communication is one of the things that's sort of greatly lacking. Just, I think that life gets in the way and we get caught up and sometimes maybe don't really even understand exactly how we can best communicate in a way that that meets everybody's needs or helps with understanding and, and those kinds of things. So in bringing groups together and teams together and allowing that safety and that transparency and role modeling. Role modeling is one of the things that you talked about in the interview after the book about how, as coaches, we can role
1: model for our clients. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. You know, I think one of the things, just like the example we were just talking about, right? So typically what would happen in a meeting is that the person leading the meeting would say, everybody put down your cell phones, you know, that's distracting. And so, you know, and people would obey. And so that's possible to get people to obey. But then you think about what's the fallout of that as far as engagement. And, you know, does it really have any carryover? The carryover is not good. So even something like that, where you could say, and honestly, the coach doesn't end up saying it most of the time. As you go on, it's usually somebody else saying, hey, you know, do you mind turning off your cell phone so we can really have this hour and a half together and they do it without judgment. So it might be the coach the first time, but then it's people role modeling for each other and and really getting kudos for that as well. You know, from maybe from the person that they said that to saying, man, the way you did that, I wasn't even aware that I was distracted my phone. And the way you did that, Just let me be aware and I got to set it aside and that was awesome. That was really helpful. So it's role modeling, but it's also that immediate feedback of, wow, you know, the way you did that helped me be better. And I'm sure that's going to help me be better in my next meeting as well.
0: Such value that comes when we put people together, huh? And we'll allow them to kind of be out of their norm and use their baseline as a springboard as you said earlier, just giving some of the tools and resources and opportunity to use that springboard. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ann, for joining us and sharing just such great stuff. And I cannot recommend your book enough. Being coached, group and team coaching from the inside. Go pick up a copy. It is good stuff. So wow. thanks so much for joining us.
1: Yeah, thank you, Megan. Great, great questions. It was a lot of fun to talk with you and to talk about group and team coaching. Awesome.
0: I hope today's interview gave you new perspective on different ways you could deliver your coaching services. Group and team coaching is certainly one of those ways that can bring incredible value and new perspective to your clients. If you'd like more information about Dr. Ann Deaton or about her book, Being Coached, Group and team coaching from the inside or about our show, visit StarCoachShow.com and go to the resource page. Now, Ann has actually given one of her books to the show for our ongoing book giveaway and her book will be in one of the upcoming drawings. So while you're on the site, you might go to the contact page and sign up for the book giveaway because you can't win a book if you're not in the book giveaway. We're currently Finishing up on our giveaway of results coaching by Fran Schuster. This is going to be our last week for her book and be sure to, like I said, be in the drawing. If you want to win, if you're enjoying the show, I would so appreciate an iTunes review. Go to our starcoachshow.com website. And there's an easy button there to be able to click and get taken right into iTunes review. I hope you've had a fabulous week and that you have a wonderful week moving forward. This is your host, Meg Rentschler, wishing you the very best for your coaching success until next week.